Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I am... Very, uh, very excited about this 24 hours of prayer that we're going to be doing. I feel like God is going to really, really move power- powerfully um, through our time together. And so everything that I'm going to be sharing with you um, right now is going to be to cast vision for you, to stir your heart, to um, set expectations for you about what um, could happen and what will happen and what the Lord will do uh, during our time together. And so let me, I want to begin by just asking you a, a question. Um, do you guys think much about what you want? Do you think much about that? I have to confess, I think about what I want all the time. And I don't know if that makes me spiritual or it makes me unspiritual, but there is a long, long list of things that, that I want. Uh, and I'll share some of those with you. I want um, a new hip. I complain to you guys about my junky old hip all the time. And I want God to give me a new hip. I want to see my brothers, my two brothers, Andy and Mike, and their families love the Lord and serve Jesus. I want to fall in love with God for myself all over again. I want to have just an experience of him that blows me away. I want to see people in this church delivered and healed of sickness, every kind of sickness, sickness of mind, sickness of body, sickness in relationships. Um, I want to see the Holy Spirit poured out in this place. I want to have an amazing marriage to Molly. I want to see lost people come to know Christ through us and just lost people come to know Christ through the larger church. There is so much that I want. And I believe you guys said if I, if I could have all of that, I might quit praying for a couple of days because I would be so satisfied. And I want to get you thinking about what it is that you really want. And today we're going to talk about the things that we want and how prayer can actually change our futures, that prayer can literally actually change things, but maybe not just any old kind of prayer. And that's going to be a key part of this. So um, earlier this week, actually on Friday, my son Cole and I, we went and took our cars to get the oil changed. And we, we you know, kind of made it a date. We said, hey, I'll meet you at the, uh, at the Jiffy Lube place at such and such a time. And so we both brought our, our cars there. And you guys know this as well as I do, that your car needs to have its oil changed, they say, every how many miles? Three to 5,000 miles, right? It's probably much more than that, but that's what they tell us to do, right? And so every three to 5,000 miles, we go and we get our oil changed, and that keeps our car going. But mechanics will also tell you that every 30,000 miles, you need to get the oil changed, but you also need to change out some filters, and you need to rotate the tires, right? And then every 100,000 miles, you need to do all of that stuff, but in that 100,000 mile mark, you need to get like a full tune-up, and it's like a much uh, a much more significant investment into your car, right? But even though it takes more time, more money, it is crucial for the working of your car, and it's crucial for the longevity of your car, right? 
All right, let's keep talking about cars for a second. I um, I love getting my car washed, and I have a there's a cheap car wash on North Northwest Highway that I go to, and um, and it used to be three dollars, now it's five dollars, right? And so five dollars gets you the cheapest wash that they have. It's actually called the mist, right? It's like we just basically breathe on your car and you drive away, right? That's basically what it is. So the mist is a very very light soaping, a light rinsing, a quick blow dry, and you're out of there in three minutes, right? But it's so fast and it's so cheap that you could do it like a couple of times a week if you wanted to. But if you really want to get your car super clean, if you want to do a really good job, you got to get the platinum wash. Now, let me tell you what's included in the platinum wash. The platinum wash, uh, you start with a double wash, right? So your car gets washed twice. Then you get the Simonized Hot Car Wax, the rim cleaner and scrubber, a high-pressure rim blaster, a clear coat protectant, the underbody under blaster, the tire cleanser and scrubber, a high-pressure cleaning. I'm not sure what that is. The Simonized Vision Clear for your windshield, tire shine protectant, and then the heated dry. And of course, all of this takes much more time. It costs you quite a bit more money, but you get so much more out of that kind of wash, right? Your car stays cleaner longer. It preserves your car from rust. Um, it uh, the, the rain beads on your windshield in a really cool way for about a week, right? So you get a whole lot more out of that. And what I want to say to us, you guys, is it's similar to our connection with God. It's sort of the same way. And I just want to say that we can have the kind of connection, the kind of relationship with God that is sort of the light wash, the mist approach, right? And the mist approach would be that we we pray a couple of times a week. We spend 10 or 15 minutes with God, you know, doing some prayer and connecting with him. That happens a couple of times a week. Maybe we crack our Bible a couple of times a week for five or 10 minutes. Uh, we might show up to church a few times per month or something like that. And that would be what I would consider to be the mist, the light wash, right? And here's the thing about that. We can have that kind of a connection with God, and the Lord loves us, and we're saved in all of that, but that type of connection, that superficial connection, is probably not going to be enough to bring about a breakthrough in the stuff that we really want, right? That's the missed approach. It's the light clean. And so, and like so many things in our lives, the deeper that we go with God, the harder we go in our approach towards him, the more of him we will experience. And what I want to challenge us to do today is I want to challenge us to go further in prayer, to go deeper in our prayer life, because the more that we dive into prayer and the harder we go after God in prayer, the more of his power we will experience. Do you guys believe me on that? Prayer is truly our key conduit to the Lord, period. And so, so what do we want as a people? Well, I know that, that many of us in this room, we are hungry for a personal breakthrough of some sort. You want a breakthrough in an issue in your life. Maybe it's a physical thing like me. Maybe it's a, uh, something that you've been carrying for your children that you just, well, you want to see your kids healed of something. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, you just have been longing for uh, a close relative to come to faith in Christ. Maybe you're a person that has been longing to have some sort of a deliverance or a breakthrough in your relationships, or you've been carrying depression or discouragement or unforgiveness in your heart, and you can't seem to get out from underneath it. 
There might be some of us in here that struggle with an addiction of some sort, an addiction to drugs or to alcohol or pornography or social media, and you've tried and tried and tried to get out from underneath that thing, and you just can't do it. And to make matters worse, it's such a shaming thing that you have a hard time talking about it. You don't want to bring it to light, but what you wouldn't give to experience freedom in that area. I mean, what do you want from God? Maybe you're a person that would like to see things shift in our country or in our political realm or in our schools. You feel like the culture is going further and further away from God's intentions and his purposes, and you're getting more and more desperate to see God's kingdom come in America as it is in heaven, right? Maybe you've been just wanting to see God move there, and some of us might just be a person that we just want the more of God, that you just want to experience like our first flame. We want that ignited relationship with God. You want to feel that connection. You want to feel that joy. You want to experience the stuff in your life that you read about in scripture. We all want something big from God, don't we? Do you want something big from the Lord? You might even be getting a feeling of desperation, like if I don't have this God, I don't know if I can make it. And that's where prayer comes in. And many of us have thrown a million little prayers at our troubles and our dreams. And I'm going to show you guys later that even the smallest prayer, it actually means something, right? But that being said, we will all come to a moment in life where we realize that if something is going to change, then what we have done so far to pull heaven down into earth hasn't been enough. And we find ourselves at a crossroads, church, and one path in this crossroads is the wide and easy road. It's the road of the light wash, right? It's the road of low investment, and that it's an unchallenging road. It's the road of just hoping that something will happen regardless of our own effort, our own faith, or our own contending for a breakthrough. That's the easy road. That's the wide road. That's the light wash. But there's another road, and it's a road that is far less traveled. It's a road that is far narrower. It, can, it, it can't accommodate too many people. Not too many people walk on this road, right? And on this road, we learn to contend and we learn to prevail in prayer through our blood and our sweat and our tears and even through disappointment and sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice of our comfort because we are fixing our eyes on God at a cost to other things in our lives. And Jesus once said when he was encountering, he was praying for someone who was, who was uh, demonized. And as he prayed for the this person, the, the, the demons resisted him. It wouldn't come out. And Jesus had to contend for this person's freedom. And he said to the disciples, he said, some things only come out through prayer and fasting. And so I want to talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about what can change as we contend with our prayer and our fasting and how God will interact with that. And I want you guys to know that unlike what some people in the world think, or probably many, life is not a random set of events that we have no control over. There isn't a nihilistic page in scripture, you guys. Life isn't some sort of cosmic weird accident that just happens. We have no influence over it. Instead, What the Bible tells us is that you and I have been created, listen to this, to co-rule with God, to exert influence and power over circumstances that happen on earth to accomplish God's purposes. You guys remember that? Does that that resonate with you? So listen to this. As, As image bearers 
of God himself, as people that are homes for the Holy Spirit, we have God dwelling in us. God is, is using us. He's partnering with us to bring about change, to change things in this world, to rule and to reign in this world with us. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul wrote this. He said, we are God's co-workers. We are his co-workers, and that means we are his fellow workmen, his co-laborers. And so and so instead of being a people that just kind of go, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope it all turns out. Or maybe we're just like chess, you know, pawns in God's chessboard. No. Instead, we partner with God, and God partners with us to change the world, to change events in our lives. That's why Jesus's brother James, he said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. And it's effective. Who is the righteous person? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, two righteous people. That's why I have a job. We have two righteous people in this church. Who is the righteous person? You are, right? Any of us that have, followed, have given our lives to Christ, we are the righteous ones. That means that your prayer is powerful and effective to God. Right? And so prayer and intercession, it changes outcomes on, in, on earth, right? And so an event, something was going to go down in a certain way. And then we get in there and we start praying godly, holy prayers and we change that thing. That's what happens here. John Wesley, Molly, you quoted John Wesley. John Wesley said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And one of my favorite quotes of all time is something that, uh, this poet Alfred Lord Tennyson said. He said that more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Think about that. More things are wrought by prayer. More things come to pass through prayer than we will ever dream of. Could this be true? Could it be true, you guys? And you might say to me, hey, Kev, dude, I have prayed for so many things and nothing has happened. I have prayed for so many things, big things, important things, and nothing has happened. What about that? And I, I just want to respond back to you. I just want to challenge you and say, you have never once prayed a prayer and nothing happened. Not once, not ever. There is no such thing as an ineffective prayer. Now, I know that many times we have all prayed prayers, even fervent prayers to God, and the outcome hasn't happened the way that we wanted it to. And that can be discouraging. It could be disappointing. It could be disconcerting, right? But I want you guys to know, and this is, this is important to me, and it's a little bit uh, provocative, but I want to say to us that if you have ever learned a lesson about prayer, if you have prayed and prayed and asked God to move in a certain way and God didn't move in that way and you learned a lesson coming out of that, that God is capricious, that he is mysterious, that we can never know his will and that prayer is ineffective. If you have learned a life lesson from that, what I want to say to you is that you have learned a lesson from the devil. You have learned a lesson from the enemy. If we let our negative experiences define how prayer works and what is true of prayer and what is true of God, what I want to tell us is that we should make no mistake about it. The author of that lesson, the teacher of that lesson is not God and it is not life. It is the liar and the accuser. It is the enemy. 
straight up. And part of Christian maturity is learning how to be tenacious, how to contend, how to wait on God in the mystery of him. I do like, it's a little bit secular, but I do like Winston Churchill's uh, definition of success. You guys have probably, some of you have heard it. Winston Churchill's definition of success is going from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. And I want to call you to enthusiasm in prayer this morning, because even though it may not feel like it sometimes, there is no such thing as an ineffectual prayer. And so we're going to go to the book of Revelation, and um, we're going to, I'm going to show you something here that is really, really cool. Molly, could you um, step up and do your thing? We'll see how this works. So the book of Revelation is a very trippy book. It's full of imagery. Um, uh, it's an apocalyptic book, and it came out of this vision that God gave the apostle John uh, when he was stuck on the Isle of Patmos. And in John's vision, try to pay attention to me. <laughs> I know how this works. Okay, so... In John's vision, John saw the conquering Jesus at the end of time. He saw the conquering Jesus. But instead of Jesus looking like a conquering king, Jesus looked like a slain lamb. But he was the conquering king, right? And so around Jesus were these four beings, four living creatures. And they're probably seraphim, uh, which are these kind of funky spiritual beings. And then he was all surrounded by these 24 elders. And these four spiritual beings and these 24 elders, they each had one thing in each hand. They had two things in their hands, okay? And so we're going to read this scripture. We're going to read from Revelation chapter 5, and we're going to jump to Revelation chapter 8, and I want you to note what these spiritual beings have in their hands as they're worshiping, conquering, slain lamb Jesus. Are you with me? Here we go. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he, that's Jesus, had taken it, which is the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one, listen, each one had a harp that they were in. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Jump down to Revelation 8. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. And a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. And then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed and lightning flashed and there was a terrible earthquake. So here in the book of Revelation, we see that prayer is being gathered into bowls. And these bowls have two functions, right? And the first thing is that they are censers, right? Censers are those things that hold incense in the Old Testament. And, and now there's still censers in, in like Catholic church and things like that. But they hold incense. And the Bible says, Revelation is saying that our prayers are like that incense. They're mixed with that incense. And our prayers are a delight to God. That every time we pray, our our prayer, listen, our prayer fills that bowl. And so every time you have ever prayed, every time you pray to the Lord about anything, you're praying for the sick to be healed, you're praying for your heart to be encouraged, you're praying for a lost one to be saved, something, anything, whatever it is, 
No matter what the outcome is, your prayer becomes a fragrant offering to God and it gets put into that bowl. And God is completely pleased with it. You have not prayed a prayer that did not delight the Lord, right? And so God, that's the first meaning of, of our prayers and this incense that we have going here. Can you guys smell that? Okay. All right. Good. Usually it makes me sneeze. That's why I opened up that window. Anyway, so that's the first, the first goal of our prayer. The first thing that happens is that our prayers, each one is filling that bowl that is a fragrant offering to the Lord. And the second meaning of our prayer that fills those bowls like incense is found in chapter eight. And here's what it is. There will come a day when those bowls will be filled. There will come a day when the billions upon billions of prayers that you and I have prayed and other people have prayed, there will come a day when those bowls will be filled. And the Lord will look at one of the angels up there and he will say, throw it down on the earth. And in that moment, the final plans of God to bring his kingdom will come to pass because you prayed, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And as we have prayed that over and over again, there will come a day when we, through our prayers, will participate in God's final purposes on earth. That's cool. That's important, you guys. That's why I say that you and I have never prayed an ineffective prayer. He would not ask us to pray if it weren't so. He wouldn't ask us to pray, let your kingdom come, unless he was going to use that prayer. And so what I want to challenge us to do is to be tenacious in prayer. I want to challenge us to be faithful in prayer, to pray confidently and expectantly. And so I want to, I want to give you a few things to, to, um, to help us to, to recalibrate our prayer life, a few thoughts to help us to recalibrate our prayer life. And the first thing I want to say is I want to challenge you. This is the first easy one. I want to encourage you to pray biblically and even to pray the Bible itself, to open up the book of Psalms or to just take a scripture out and just pray that thing to God. Find a scripture that resonates with what you're experiencing in your life and make that thing your prayer, right? Because sometimes in our weaker moments, um, I'm in fantasy football and my team is really mediocre, bottom third. Sometimes I just want God to help me out a little bit, right? I don't know if God answers prayers like that. If we ask for unceasing ease in life, I don't know if God answers prayers like that. If we want God to exact revenge on a coworker, I'm not sure that he does that, right? But there are many things that we care about and pray for that are directly in line with God's heart, directly in line with his purposes, praying for uh, someone to be healed physically or emotionally, praying for deliverance from the enemy, praying that the lost would be saved, praying for the, the big C church, the large church, praying for our church for thrive, praying for blessing and grace and mercy to be poured out on someone, on anyone, because God loves people, right? Praying for justice to come to the earth, praying that the the the, the lost would be saved and the poor would be uh, resourced and, and lifted out of their poverty. The list could go on and on. But if we know that we are praying according to God's character, if we know that we are praying according to his will, then I want to encourage you to pray bold, big prayers. And that's my, my next point. I want to ask you guys and encourage you guys and remind you to pray confidently. That is to pray faithfully. The um, author of Hebrews said this. He said, so let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. 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 
boldly. Let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Come boldly before God with your prayer, whatever it is. Why? Because just a few verses later, Jesus said, I have been in your shoes. I know everything that you care about. I've I've done that with you. Jesus is still human with God right now, and so he says, I am perfectly attuned to what you're dealing with. So you come to me and you come boldly before me. And I just have a thought. I come out of a background where um, fear of God was very, very high and intimacy with God was low. And so in that sort of shaped my prayer approach. And so I always felt like the most um, honoring way to approach God was to approach him really timidly. To approach him very, like, I don't know, God, you know, like, I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to get in over my skis. I don't want to dishonor you by presuming anything. And so I'm going to pray these little mousy, timid prayers. And I spent a long, long time thinking that that was what honored God. But now I've reversed it. Now I think completely differently because I know the character of God and I know the purposes of God and I know the will of God. And what I want to say to you guys is that It is more honoring of him to pray big, bold, extravagant prayers because that is who he is. And so when we come to him in confidence, when we come to him in faith, when we ask for extravagant things, God goes, they get me. I love this prayer. I want to honor this prayer. And so I want to ask you guys to stop praying wimpy, timid prayers where we think, God, I don't know your character Because I honestly think that we dishonor him when we call his character and we call his intentions and we call his power into question in the very praying that we're doing. Does that make sense? You guys get that? So I want to encourage you. I think the most biblical prayer that we could pray is a prayer that says, God, you are glorious and you are mighty and you are powerful and I'm calling you out on that. I'm honoring you with my prayer in that way. And the last thing that I want to share with us is this. I want to encourage us to pray tenaciously. Pray tenaciously. And that is why we are doing these 24 hours of prayer. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Never stop praying. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up because you haven't gotten your answer. Don't give up because the, 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 you know, the thing that you're praying for didn't work out the way that you hoped for, right? As a matter of fact, don't give up until you get your answer. Jesus said this, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, heaven, your heavenly father, your father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Now that ask and seek and knock, the tense, the verb tense, the Greek, it's present continual. And what that means is, is what Jesus was actually saying is, is ask and keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. And I want to just encourage you guys that if you have prayed for multiple times for something, which I have a million times, 
and God hasn't answered your prayer, don't think at all that that means that he doesn't intend to bring you a breakthrough or that he's not at work. As a matter of fact, don't even think that it's unusual. Have you noticed that God often seems to delay our answers to prayer? And maybe it's because it's that bowl thing. Maybe it's because our prayers are being filled. They're being put into those bowls. And at some point, the bowl will tip and we will see the breakthrough or we'll see God do something, you know, different and possibly even better than what we had prayed for. And so don't lose faith in prayer. I'm going to close up with um, a testimony that lots of you guys have heard, but it was a, uh, a life-changing testimony for me in a number of ways. A couple of years ago, um, we did another big thing at Thrive, and we took 40 days to pray and to fast for that God's kingdom to come for breakthrough, for thrive, and for ourselves. And when we did that, we posted our the, the, the prayer requests, the things that we were contending for, we posted them on the back of the church. Anybody remember that? And I shared with you in that time that I was praying for three things. I was praying for a new hip. I was praying for Thrive to get a new building, and I was praying for my parents to come to faith in Christ. Now, my parents, uh, some of you might know and others of you may not know, but I grew up Catholic, and my parents uh, and their extended family, my aunts and uncles, but my parents in particular, were um, abused in the church. And they were so deeply wounded by the church that they completely left God. They left the church. They were deeply embittered um, to the point that I couldn't. This is when I was a pastor. I couldn't talk. I couldn't even mention God to them. They, I, I, it's it's funny now, but they had a bumper sticker in their car that said, "Lord, save us from your followers." Get away from us, right? They were so hurt, so wounded. And so they got into all kinds of like mystic stuff and all kinds of stuff. I couldn't even talk to them about it. And so in secret and and with a few people, as we were in that time of prayer, I shared with a couple of you that the thing that I had the least faith for was that my parents would ever come to faith. There was no way. I just didn't see any way that that could possibly happen. But I prayed And I prayed every day hard for them. And on the 23rd day, I was literally on the trail praying for myself, for the salvation of my mom and dad. And my mom called. And she said, Kevin, I want you to know that dad and I are trying to find our faith again. And they serve God today. God can do anything when we pray. He can do the hardest things. He can do the hardest things. And so we are going to be doing 20, 24 hours of prayer as a church. And we are going to contend for his kingdom to come. And I want you to come and I want you to pray for this church. I want you to come and I want you to pray for our community. I want you to come. I want you to pray for America. I want you to come and I want you to pray for breakthrough in your own heart. What you care about. And I just want to challenge you that sometimes a few minutes of prayer, even though those few minutes will be a fragrant offering to the Lord, if you want to see a breakthrough, we may have to come and contend for our breakthrough because when we do, sometimes we see the power of God released in a really amazing way. Amen?